0: Welcome to Future Thinking, a podcast in which we discuss and debate many of the ideas that are likely to shape both asset management and the world around us. Already in this series, we have looked at the role of millennials and the potential future of alternative investments. But what about you? If, like me, you are currently working from home with intermittent virtual engagement with your colleagues, what does that mean for your mental health and your work-life balance? Today, I'm joined by Marissa Hall, the co-head of the Thinking Ahead Institute, which is part of Willis Towers Watson. Well, actually, it's a as an arm's length organisation, as we were just talking about. But thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you. So lovely to be here, Chris.
0: Fantastic. Well, the topic of discussion today as part of this latest Future Thinking episode is culture. And one of the things that has become under the most scrutiny, I guess, over the last 12 to 18 months is company culture. We've seen a huge test of it, a test that we've never seen the likes of. Can we talk about that? I mean, it seems like the big one to jump in with to start with. But how has culture been affected
1: in your eyes by the pandemic? So I think I think it's really an interesting point. So when, when we talk about culture, often we use it as a kind of very broad brushed term. So, you know, culture is kind of how it feels and what it feels like to work in an organization. That's often what we would use as a, as a kind of colloquial definition. But actually we've done a lot of research with a number of investment organizations from around the world. And we actually found that, you know, with culture, it's, it's not just, you know, how things feel, but actually you need to understand why things are done in a particular way and how things are done in a particular way in an organization to really kind of get to the depth of what culture is. You know, when I think about culture, I actually break it down into, well, well what's happening with people? What's happening with integrity and respect in an organization, transparency, innovation, you know, diversity and inclusion as examples. And I would say that as, as a whole, actually we're seeing a lot of challenges to culture within organization brought around from COVID so yeah lots more to say yeah. about that yeah
0: absolutely because I mean culture and I suppose that all links into the the wider topic as well that we were going to discuss which is sort of work life balance mm. which has also been affected by this because I don't know about you I find that I start earlier I finish later you sort of pick apart bits of work here and there because yeah. you don't have the natural cut-off point of a commute or, or other demands in that sense With sorry there's a slightly Uh, roundabout way of talking about the way in which the work scenario has changed as well, because I I can see, I think you're working from home. I'm, I'm definitely, I feel like I've been working home from home for about a decade now just <laughs> how have we adjusted to that change and, and what impact has that had
1: well I'll, I'll set the scene for you I'm, I'm here kind of sitting in in Surrey in my living room on my dining room table you know my kids are kind of in the background messing around with toys and I don't know if you could have heard that in the background my husband seems to choose this right moment <laughs> to do his printing at the printer next to me and I think that's probably reflective of you know, some people's lives, it's this its this case where, you know, everything has become so much more personal. We have more look through into our colleagues' work environment. We have more look through into our colleagues' lives. And, you know, I think for some people that's been uncomfortable. For some people that's actually been quite quite refreshing. But I think the adjustment that needs to be made is that actually we've become a little bit more human, a little bit more Let's cut each other some slack. You know, when when the broadband cuts out mid conversation, when somebody goes on mute, when somebody's kid kind of comes in, I think we are more tolerant and and more welcoming to actually that kind of everyday disruption. And I think that's a that's a positive. That's one of the silver linings. I think we can see from the situation where we're starting to accept people for their whole self. That's 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 new. That's different. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah.
0: Sorry, Marissa, interrupting you. Apologies. No, no,
1: office...
0: no, Go on. Because I was going to add, because how much of that, we are habitual in a sense that we got used to this scenario. We were very used to the previous scenario. And I, I take your point that we are now much more willing to accept the interruptions and the interactions being slightly different. But as we go back to normality, do you envision that people will continue to be as understanding? Or do you think that will gradually bleed away?
1: Yeah, so I think... You know we have done some work within the institute and you know it was following um some research from harvard business school and what we wanted to do is we wanted to track how as a team we kind of felt over this period so we wanted to track how engaged people were with work and we also wanted to to track how happy they were. And, you know, happiness is is a, it's a very subjective thing. We all had kind of different scores. People had kind of different averages. And, you know, we've been doing that for the last 12 months just to understand how people have felt and obviously kind of look at in the lead into coming out of COVID. And at first, you know, what happened is that there was this, this sudden new sense of, you know, kind of, oh, wow, you know, I no longer have the commute. I have a little bit more flexibility on my time. And, and then what's happened over time is I think it's become so much easier to kind of book a call in for 15 minutes, you know, book another meeting in for 20 minutes. And actually what seems to happen is that you spend quite a lot of your days dealing with calls. And actually you kind of have to shift to get the work done at odd hours, depending on what your lifestyle is. Now, what happens when we go back to work? When, you know, someone says, well, actually you need to be into the office between this time and this time. That's going to be a difficult adjustment, I think, for quite a lot of people to make. But let's be clear, there are significant benefits to having office time, just like how there are benefits to having home time. And I think the the better employees will get that balance right and they will listen to their employees as, as they move into that, that kind of new normal.
0: Do you think that will have to be a a more democratic process? Because I've been talking with my team about what would suit them and what would suit us. Because I suppose a lot of people, we've seen people have managed to be as efficient as we would expect them to be, despite the circumstances. And so, at least from my side, I don't envision there's a huge push to go five days back in the office straight away. Do you think it would be much more a conversation of what works for different people? Or can you see people being more dictatorial in that sense?
1: Well, I think what we've seen over the pandemic actually is that communication from leadership has been incredibly important in taking employees through the process. You know, what we have is, you know, more more letters, more, more emails, more notes from senior leadership. And those, le- those notes actually having to not just be about, you know, here's what's happening in the business, but actually reflective of their own personalities. You know, even within my organization, you know, every week we get a letter from senior leadership and they talk about what they've done over the weekend, what challenges they've faced and how they're going to deal with some of some of these issues in the week forward. And I think just to back to that point about the human side, you know, I I, I would agree that I think it does have to be a more democratic process, you know, a, a time where you need to figure out what is it that works for people in your team. And this is just to show you how different things have become. I think what will also happen with that, with that freedom will come more measurement. So I think whereas before the measure of a person in some organizations was how long did they choose to spend in the office or we reward the ones who stay late, who seem to be coming in on weekends and so forth, actually measurement is actually going to be a lot more difficult because when somebody tells you that, you know what, I've got to leave at 12 o'clock because I've got something to do between 12 and 3 how are you going to judge the productivity of that person and that's where we need to get smarter and we need to get more sensitive about how we define what success is in in an organization.
0: Absolutely I think we've seen a huge move away from I think presenteeism the idea that if you were there from 7am till 7pm you're doing more than somebody who's perhaps fitting more in between 10am and 6pm or or even shorter hours and that can only be a positive thing I think because bringing it back round to mental health it seems like it's People were doing a lot of that, perhaps the detriment to the mental health.
1: Definitely, definitely, and you know, I mean, the studies have shown it. Financial services, as a whole, you know, even before the pandemic, was a, a, a particular industry where there were the most stresses. You know, so people were feeling the the strain of kind of you know either commuting to London or depending on wherever your office location is, and and how success was measured, which was very much in terms of financial return. So I think we saw that even before the pandemic. I mean, you know, I think, you know, there's some stats on the kind of government website that last year, 10 million additional people suffered from mental health last year. And that is exasperated from the fact that obviously, because we're all remote working, it's so much more difficult to kind of, you know, find those moments to speak about issues. You know, before you'd go into a staff room, you'd pull somebody aside. Here now you actually have to book a specific meeting, you know, and that to some people might be quite awkward. And I think also just having that supportive infrastructure you know the better firms are the ones who say well actually we're going to dedicate some of our resources and ensure that we have you know well-being classes at at the end of the week and these are things that you know typically firms didn't kind of build into their into their into their model and that's we need that now more so than ever before
0: because one thing um, Citywide did literally just before this happens in January with no sense of what was coming did uh, a mental health first aid course which is something that I'd never seen before or never encountered before. And then there's been a big push to ensure that those people who qualified are able to use that. And Mm. they've been phoning other members of staff, making sure that people are of coping in this scenario, because it is, I was going to say, it's an unprecedented time, which feels like the most cliched thing to say at the moment. But it is a mental health crisis in some regards as well.
1: Absolutely. And we see it in all segments of society. I mean, you know, I talked about my kids in the background right before half term, we had kind of child mental health week. And, you know, the schools and the teachers deemed it, you know, incredibly important to kind of check in on the kids, you know, check in on people. And I think the same has to be true within organizations. You know, that human side needs to be appreciated if we're we're due to, you know, to get the work done. So, yeah, so lots of good stuff, lots of good examples, I think we can see out there in terms of organizations really trying to prioritize their people. And obviously that kind of brings you full back circle into culture because, that's one of the markers, um, one of the signatures of having a strong culture in your organization that people focus.
0: What well, we saw in preparation for this call, I was looking back through some of the the CEOs that we've interviewed in the past. And we did a roundtable again in March 2020. So just as things were accelerating, one focused mm-hmm. on culture. And the CEO of Newburger Berman said, culture is the leading indicator of success. Among the single most important things that we do is our company's culture. Mm-hmm. So I think, I mean, it's in the right place. It just seems that whether they've been able to adapt, evolve. And because I can imagine that culture is going to be slightly different coming out of this as well. With the way that like you mentioned that people are going to work differently we're going to have different priorities in terms of how much we do work how we split the work-life balance do you see companies embracing that challenge
1: yeah so i think what's interesting about culture is the fact that what we're seeing is that firms are trying to do more in terms of measuring it and you know a few years ago when when people talk about measuring and assessing culture they were like well you you can't you can't do it but we we know the old kind of mantra what gets measured tends to get managed and I think it's true here and so what we've done in the Thinking Ahead Institute is that we spent you know quite a long time working with organizations in the financial services industry, specifically within the investment industry, and said to them, well, actually, let's look at how we can assess culture in your organization. Let's look at the leadership team and let's come up with a, a shared language and a shared definition amongst your leadership team. Because you'll be surprised, you know, you you speak to leaders and actually every single person has a different feeling and a different definition to what culture is. And I think that's really important to kind of, to kind of get sorted. I think the other thing outside of assessment of culture is around what your target is. And culture is one of those things that, if you leave it alone, it tends to revert to a lesser state. It tends to deteriorate. You know, it needs that active management. It needs that, you know, leadership, not just setting the tone at the top, but also walking the walk. And so without intervention, actually culture deteriorates. And we've seen that throughout the pandemic where, you know, it is the better organizations that are actively trying to To um, maintain good culture. So I think, you know, setting that target culture, setting where it is that you want to be is really important. And actually building that roadmap that connects where you are to where you want to be is something that that firms are, are, are struggling with, but are trying to to do it.
0: I think that ties in with a, a quote that I actually learned from listening to a Thinking Ahead Institute podcast earlier, where they talked about Peter Drucker's quote of "culture each strategy for breakfast." As long Absolutely. as you've got the culture right, that can out outdo a lot of the other elements.
1: We we tend we tend to we tend to love kind of catchy phrases in the Thinking Ahead Institute, but you know it's um, we we have another one which is you know culture is the single most unique competitive advantage that that a firm has and I think you know business strategy can get mimicked you know lots of things can get mimicked but actually culture it's very very difficult if not near impossible to mimic the culture of an organization and you have to hold on to that as something that is as is important to you and you need to value it in trying to gain that competitive edge.
0: So interesting. you also mentioned the measurement of, of sort of what you people might previously consider intangibles like happiness mm-hmm. and, and other things because I know that this actually came up in another podcast that I've done as part of the series where i talked about millennials and we spoke to a millennials expert who talked about the New Zealand government start to factor happiness as a measurement into their GDP because it's a crucial element of whether your country is productive. Is Is, yeah. is it happy or is it just being forced to work to produce goods? It seems like it's Uh, an important evolution from, again, a mental health side of things.
1: Yeah, and so, I mean, social scientists have been talking about this for years, you know, actually measuring productivity in one metric, which is around money and output, is actually not the complete story. You know, let's talk about what the lives people who are in the country are living. Let's talk about happiness. Let's talk about, you know, even, even when we come to the sustainable development goals, let's talk about, you know, access to clean water and equality. And, you know, you know particularly around the equality side of things, what we're seeing actually as a result of um, the pandemic and also with firms' efforts to improve culture is that diversity, equity and inclusion have become very much, you know, one of the top topics that firms are really trying to, to, trying to address. And that is the fact that, you know, I talk about it being personal. It's about respecting individual identity. So, you know, for me, you know, I'm a black woman, I'm an actuary, I work in the financial services industry, but, you know, it's difficult to say, well, actually, I'm going to define you as a woman. I'm going to define you as black. I'm going to define you as this when actually people have so much more to offer. So I think that respect for the individual is becoming increasingly important um, in all sectors. And actually we're starting to see a lot more conversations about that. And that leads in very much so into mental health because there's also that appreciation and trying to understand the cognitive diversity that, that organizations already have that exist. So you know, really important topics I think people are trying to grapple with, but they're all soft you know, and, you know, you talk about soft data. Soft data isn't soft because it's easy. Soft data is soft because actually it's quite difficult to get your hands around, but can be so incredibly important, you know, and and we see that example all the time.
0: Oh, massively. We've seen, even in the last couple of years in journalism, we've talked a lot about soft skills, those sort of Mm. intangibles, again, that you, where you can, talk um you can interview you can make contact you can you can do things that aren't just did you write this story was it delivered on time it's actually having a
1: more evolved process yeah the soft stuff is becoming the hard stuff i think there's another catchphrase for you but it's um it's it's one of those things where it's actually really hard and we have so many sources of alternative data you know if you if you're a young graduate looking to work for a company you're not just thinking well actually you know what's my pay package you're going on organizations like Glassdoor and you're thinking well actually let me find out a little bit more about what other people are saying. You're going on social media and all of that alternative data companies really need to do well in trying to manage their holistic reputation because that's part of attracting and retaining talent. And mental health is obviously a significant part of that because, you know, we saw it early in the pandemic. We had a few bad eggs, you know, treating employees very badly and and getting pillaged in the media because they said, well, you know, your employees matter. And so, you know, the the focus on companies on taking care of their staff positions them better for attracting talent in the future. This is, this is important stuff. And it's a great note to end on. A
0: fantastically positive message. So thank you very much, Marissa. Thank you for joining me today. Brilliant.
1: Absolutely lovely to be here, Chris. Thank you. Thank you.